The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Everybody, Tuesday, it's August, August 1st, 5 o'clock on the East Coast, and we are joined by Taylor Tannebaum. Taylor T is a graduate from Florida State and an absolute star in the sports media world. Following graduation, she spent five years in Alabama with WHNT and WTVY, where she colored, covered yeah. Alabama and Auburn, including national championships, including four national championships which is fun. She then worked four years in Indianapolis for WTHR, where she covered the Indianapolis 500, NFL playoffs, and the 2020 NCAA Men's Basketball Championship while also working with the Colts and Pacers. Then she joined ACC Network in August of 2022, where she is currently living the dream covering the Atlantic Coast Conference. Welcome to the show, Taylor. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Good job on nailing all the call letters for my previous TV stations. What's is that funny the hardest thing we're going to have to do all day? <laughs> the funniest thing about those is like, I feel like there's no other way to say it. I grew up listening to WFAN my whole life and, and just listening to the radio. I feel like the only way to pronounce that stuff is like WHNT. Like that's the only way that you could say it. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to open up sounded like that. So um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I had to make sure I had them all right and that the autocorrect didn't, uh, didn't get me there. It was perfect. I'm honored to join you guys. Uh, it's been a joy covering the ACC over the last year, and, and specifically Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm always a part of me has a little bit of hokey in me now. I feel like there we go. Absolutely love that, Taylor. Well, welcome to the show. Saw that you're coming off a little golf outing uh, from yesterday. Saw you and Kelsey and a couple other folks were at the uh, Jordan Cornette Joel Cornette Foundation golf outing in Cincinnati. I just yeah. want to kind of hear about that a little bit. Um, it was really special. Uh, really, the the one thing about ACC Network is the family atmosphere. And I know I've only been here not even a year. I'm coming up on a year this month, which is really exciting. Um, but the, the people you see on TV really do become your family. And uh, Jordan Cornette lost his brother um, a couple of years ago uh, dealing with heart disease. So this golf tournament uh, puts you know your heart health at the center of everything. And it's in honor of Joel, who uh, was a basketball star at Butler. And they're from Cincinnati. So uh, we we all went up there, got together, played some golf. Kelsey and I did not play. We did a couple of celebrity shots, but we we drove around more so taking people's drink orders and having a good time. Uh, but all just, you know, the American Heart Association was present and, and it's really raising heart awareness, health awareness for athletes specifically um, and just people. Hey, like we, there was a station learning to do CPR. Uh, just all the money goes back toward uh, – different resources, uh, different things to help student athletes and, and to promote heart health. So in honor of Joel, Joey, AKA Joey and, and, and Jordan and his wife, Shay and the entire Cornette family, it was a really big honor to be there and, and to just have fun together for a really great cause. So moving on here, we're in the midst of recruiting season for college football, and it's crucially important for players and recruits to not only find a school, but find a good fit, something that's going to elevate them. Now, we just ran through your career. You seem to have hit a home run at every single stop so far. A ton of awesome things, national championships, racing, college basketball national championships. I got to ask, was this intentional? Was it luck? Or do you believe that the luck actually follows you? You know, it's funny. My mom always says to me, like, you you just always, you always get what you're trying to bring in. Like a lot of the times, and I'm not like a big I'm not a big manifester, but I do believe that if you, if you look for it or if you seek it, or if you try to speak it into existence, it'll eventually happen. So, um, just my whole career, I've always, everything has kind of landed. I don't want to say in my lap cause I worked really hard, but once it's gotten there, um, I've done a lot with it. So coming out of college, like 
the best case scenario when you're working in like the smallest market in the world, market 179 out of 210, uh, to, to be covering two football teams that went to national championships, Auburn, my first year in Florida State, because we covered them a little bit too. And then Alabama several years after that. Um, I obviously earned it to get to that spot, but obviously a little part of that's luck too, hey, to land in a certain spot um, to be the best that you can be. And then in Indianapolis, I've always loved racing. Uh, so that was like kind of uh, the perfect storm. You're, you're always looking for some, a good fit, but I felt like it was the perfect fit and it really blossomed into it. And then COVID hit and you're stuck in a city and you're like, what are we going to cover? And it's like, Indy's the best host city in the world. So we got an entire NCAA basketball tournament, and which was really special because I was one of the only few people who actually got to cover it. And then the ACC network thing, um, I really do believe that was like the perfect storm. It was just time for me to seek something new. And I sent out an email saying, hey, I really want to come back to the ACC. They're where my roots are. And it just so happened that they were redefining a show that summer. And I tried out and I got it. Did you hear that? Everybody thinking about sending that email, thinking about picking yes. up the phone. If you don't bet on yourself, nobody's going to bet on you. That is an awesome story. That no, it's awesome it's story. true. That's that's the one piece of advice I always give people is especially if you're job hunting or really anything, like sometimes you do have to gamble on yourself, but also like if you don't see the job posted, but it's something you really want to do, send a note, send an email because it may not be today that a job is open, but that person may remember you in two months when something opens. So I always encourage people, like, if you want to go to a certain city or a certain place, send a random email. They could have had a meeting that day about how they're starting something new and they need someone and you would just have no idea yet. Closed mouths do not get fed, as we always say. There um, you go. So before we hop into football, because it is August, you know, the calendar hits 8-1 and everyone just gets... A pep in their step. I said, I'm putting on my hokey polo today because it's August. I'm freaking out. (laughs) Um, Taylor, want to hear about your career in sports journalism. You know, where did that passion come from? Um, Did you grow up in a house that was really passionate about sports? Did you have any big time mentors along the way? How did you get to where you are now? Where did it all kind of begin? So I've always loved sports. I've always been a lover of sports. My dad growing up owned sports memorabilia stores. So we had season tickets, you know, from South Florida. So to the Heat, to the Panthers, to the Dolphins, uh, to the Marlins. And uh, I would go to everything, you know, with my dad and my mom and my brother. I have a younger brother who's about two years younger. Obviously, he's into sports too, but I was always around it. My dad would have autograph sessions. It just is always something that brings people joy and it brings people together, which was the biggest thing. And I'm all about that. Uh, so I've always loved sports. I played my whole life. I, I mean, I played soccer not a star by any stretch. You would not see me be playing in a world cup uh, like the women are doing right now, but it was always something that was fun to me. I was always kind of good at it. I played flag football in high school and then I like people. So you get to like find really cool stories within sports, whether it be, you know, the person who's riding the bench or the starting quarterback or the starting point guard, whatever it may be, there's always a story to be told. And I just think, Everybody has a journey and I've always wanted to like listen to people's stories. So the best way to put those two things together was to get into TV doing this and then also the sports side because the reality for me is news is way too depressing. And this is the one thing that brings people joy in together, like I said. So uh, that's kind of how I always got into it. In high school, I was part of CTV, which was my high school's channel and I was decent at it. And I went to Florida State and I was like, let's pursue this. Got a couple of internships, saw what it was really about in the real world. And I was like, all right, you make no money, but we'll do it. And here we are now. <laughs> so you mentioned there's always a story to be told. And you've been you've been doing this and you've been around sports long enough to understand this. Coaches love coach speak. They love giving non-answers and they love providing zero. They are adding value for the fan base that wants to get excited about the season. They are adding value for, you know, just getting jazzed up or the recruits. But I want to ask you, when you interview a coach, and there are some of them that are great in the ACC, and there are some of them that are not as great as an interview, how do you get people to give you actual impactful answers when you're preparing? How do you craft questions or lead into a conversation to get real, actual content? It's so funny you say that because I just finished putting together like a little reel of some of the interviews we did at ACC Kickoff. And we had two sets for ACC Network. The big set where Kelsey Riggs and and majority of our analysts were, and then Mark Packer and I had our own. And the coaches would rotate in. We'd get some players. 
every once in a while, one of our analysts would join us. And our set was a little bit more about, you know, they're talking football all day and the X's and O's of it. How do you find something different, a little bit of a personality? You have to understand the person. So I do a lot of my research on social media, which sounds silly, but go find what they've been doing with their family. People love to talk about their family. They don't want to talk about themselves. They love to talk about their family, what they're doing, what they're passionate about off the football field. You know, you know, Brent Pry and Mark Packer have a thing going on where they talk a lot of music and um, they like to grill and uh, little things like that uh, gets people going. People love to talk about their kids and what they're doing. So social media has been like a complete game changer. And you just have to understand like what their personality is. If you get a sarcastic coach, like Dave Dorn is a really sarcastic coach. He's just like a sarcastic guy. And at first look, you may think like, man, he's pretty dry. But if you really get to know him and interview him a few times, you understand where he's coming from. So you play off that a little bit. You know, Dino Babers is a storyteller up at Syracuse. So you, you egg him on and you get him to tell some stories and you get some cool things out of that. So just you have to know the human being. And a lot of that just dives into research and who they are at their core and um, where they come from and, uh, you know, what they like to eat, just random things. Uh, social media, though, has been the key to all that. <laughs> so this one hits, hits close to home. Yes, Pat and I cover Virginia Tech as an alumni and a former player and both of us as eternal, eternal optimist. It's really difficult to take off the rose-colored glasses. It just is. And there are a lot of people that are listening right now that are saying, yeah, Billy Ray, you do that all the time. So I want to ask you as a Florida State, I'm assuming fan and a Florida State graduate, how do you not let your fandom shine through when you're trying to cover the ACC as a whole? I think there's a balance. Obviously, a part of me being on there is to say, like, look, I'm, I carry the flag for Florida State, too. You'll see a lot of the players. Mm-hmm on the network do that, but it's also understanding the ACC as a whole and what makes it so great. And it goes back to finding those stories, right? You, you become fans of the people who are at the different programs. So when I'm covering Virginia tech, like, do I have any ties to Virginia tech? Not really, but following that women's basketball program as a sports fan was so much fun this year. So you get excited about what you're watching and then it translates on TV. So you want other people to understand I do that a lot with racing. Like people are like, oh, their car is going in circles. Why do you care? I'm like, let me let me tell you, my job is to show you why I'm so passionate about it. It's to to connect you with the people and, and the in-depth stories that uh, you may not know. So uh, you take off the rose-colored glasses because you realize like, yeah, Florida State's great. I love them. I want them to be great. But there are so many other cool things going on around the conference that I want people to understand too because in turn, then people will watch the ACC and understand like my – I think it's a wonderful conference. So you have to be realistic too, right? Because it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be butterflies and rainbows. Um, But, you know, understanding the stories of the other places, I think is a big help too. Like just connecting people with the people. If that makes sense. And now we're shifting over to the ACC. And I told you before we had this interview, it's not going to be all we're asking you about, but I would not be doing my job. Here we go. Here we go. If I didn't ask you, um, look, I'm bummed about even the concept of the ACC not being a special. We were talking about it before we started recording. I think it is. I, I think there are so many amazing schools. I think there's so much amazing history. I think the locations of the schools are so special. Um, what are your quick thoughts just on the future of the ACC in general? Um, I do certainly think that change will need to be had just because that's the changing landscape of college athletics, right? So you kind of have to go with the changing landscape of the big picture. We don't know where college athletics is going to be in three to five years. Um, The ACC is part of that too. I think, you know, the TV deal is certainly a heavy topic of conversation. Money drives everything. And the reality of the situation is until 2036, the grant of rights ties this conference together and and with the TV deal with ESPN and um, the money is going to be what it's going to be. Now, they have all agreed to an uneven revenue distribution. So that's going to be a little bit different starting next year. Um, but it's not going to completely close the gap. So I do think change is going to be had to continue to make people happy. What does that change look like? I don't think anybody really knows. Like I, I genuinely don't think anybody really knows. You could see some teams 
try and leave, but then you go back to the grant of rights, which ties everyone together. And that's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, you have to get creative. And I think Commissioner Jim Phillips is, it's really has been wonderful in that department and having open, honest conversations and, and trying to find different ways to close a revenue gap. That is very real, but I do also want people to understand that the ACC is making more money than it ever has before. So it's not like this conference is bleeding money. It's just, you know, some of the other conference have bigger television deals and that's just the way the cookie has crumbled. So uh, do I know what it's going to look like in a couple of years? I don't. I know there's obviously whispers of the Magnificent Seven and this week with Florida State potentially announcing the leave by the 15th and maybe Clemson's tied in there as well. Um, I don't think anybody really knows. And I think these topics are nothing new, right? This has been conversation that's been going on for years. It's just once you start to see one conference do something and another does something, now everyone's freaked out and everyone feels like they have to make moves and rumors start turning. Um, I think the state of college football is ever-changing. I think it'll be fine in a couple of years, but what it looks like is to be seen. That is the correct answer because I'm getting so tired of, um, whether it be other media members or fans or whoever, they're like, well, I saw this on a message board. I saw this on this. I saw Nobody, I'll go as far as to say this. And this is just me talking. I haven't heard this from an athletic director, but I am in for, I don't think the athletic directors know what's happening. I don't no. think anybody knows what's happening. So to think that there's this mystical, you know, underground like plan that's coming together, I think everything pretty much is is reactionary. And that's not just in the ACC, that's across the country. That's everywhere. It's a reactionary thing. So when you see one domino fall, everybody else is going to start talking. Everyone feels like they have to make moves and look, they are going to look into it. A lot of these schools have hired lawyers in the ACC to look at the grant of rights, to look at how they could potentially get out. It's not that they don't want to be here. It's everybody trying to keep up with college football and keep that money flowing. The ACC, I know a lot of these schools is where they want to be, but like anything in life, you have to make sure you always have a contingency plan and you're always keeping up to date. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And Commissioner Phillips has been honest about that. He's like, I'm okay with people looking we're going to keep trying to change this thing. I, I'm not naive to the fact that, hey, everyone wants to make sure they're getting a piece of the cake and as big as a piece that they can. At the end of the day, you just got to trust your sources. And when Brett McMurphy posts an eyeballs emoji on Twitter, just don't let it overwhelm your iMessage, iMessage threads because I'm sure oh that message got shared all over yesterday. So let's talk 2023. Um, we had... ACC Media Days last week and three days this year. Um, how did you like the new format having it uh, three days? I thought it was a ton of fun. I thought it gave us more time to talk to people, to dive a little deeper, to breathe between interviews. Um, and it made it just a little bit more of a, a big deal. You want these things to be a big deal. You want these things to be, hey, this is the kickoff of football season and to get people excited. So the longer, the better, the days long. Yeah, but I think it gives you more opportunity to talk to the players, to really get to know the teams, dive a little deeper. Uh, so I think it was a good start. Uh, three days three days of a lot of fun, and I think we learned a lot. I'll say this, and I'm I think I'm speaking for most ACC Network fans. I love the three days. I love that yeah. we stretch that content out. The one thing that does not need any stretching out is the schedule release that we do on ACC <laughs> Network, where we put out four games, we go to 10 minutes of commercials, we put out four more games, but that's not just the ACC, that's the college football playoff, that's everything else. The worst. Yes, yes, and I'm sure you don't like it. I'm sure you don't like having four games being discussed. Hey, we're going to spend the next 10 minutes talking about Purdue versus Virginia Tech, North Carolina versus NCA and T, and then we're going to go to commercial. Good luck talking about that for ten minutes. So just just, just a little, just, just a little feedback. Um, look, the Hokie fans are a proud bunch. We've been bruised, we've been battered over the last few years. We've been known as the school with the cool entrance, and I think that the going to ACC Media Day was so refreshing to hear. Mm -hmm so many other people, how much they value Virginia Tech's brand, how much that they want what ultimately Virginia Tech wants into them to return to national prevalence. Um, what is your perception of Virginia Tech and the potential of Virginia Tech, not only in the ACC, but nationally? Well, my perception is that, like kind of you just alluded to, Virginia Tech has to be good again, because it's a big, it's a big proponent for this conference, right? It's, it's Clemson, it's Florida State, it's Miami, and it's Virginia Tech. Um, I felt like, just like you, I felt like the vibes are, are, are trending in the right direction. 
for Virginia Tech. Rome was not built in a day. It is going to take a minute. But I feel like in terms of recruiting, Virginia Tech, I, I, I said it to Coach Pry when we had him on the set. Every time I open Twitter, there's someone new from the Commonwealth committing there. And it's somebody with stars next to their names. And, and that's really where it all starts is, right, building that fence around home. There's so much talent there in Virginia. So I felt like that's trending in the right direction. Uh, they did a great job in the transfer portal. We had Ollie Jennings on set. And I know, I know that is just one player. Uh, but that's somebody that can, if he can get the ball in his hands, which there are some options now, um, he can do some big things and, and, and make some flash and get something, people something excited to talk about. I know Pop Watson, every time we've talked to somebody, the smile is massive on their face. And I know he's the one waiting in the wings at quarterback. I feel like that's something that could potentially come to fruition there. So it feels like the pieces are in place. And one thing Coach Pry said was, I feel like the momentum has never been higher for a team that is coming off a three and eight season. And I know that's coach speak and that's him just saying that, but I really do feel it too. It starts on the recruiting trail. People are choosing to go to Virginia Tech, which I think is massive, like especially when you're coming off a three and eight season. So they're seeing something and believing something. Um, and, and I like the direction that they're going. Do I think it's going to happen this year? I think they need to be better than three and eight. I don't think that that's going to be, but I think a bowl game is very much, a, very much a reality for this team and it needs to be. So T-Bomb's top three. I saw this from one of your reels, so we're just gonna we're just gonna go through that one. Can you give me three hot takes for this ACC season? They don't have to be Virginia Tech related. I just need three hot takes off the cuff. Okay. I don't know if this is hot, but I think Clemson Clemson wins the ACC again. I know okay. that's what the poll came out. I don't know if that's hot, but a lot of people are buying stock in Florida State, mm-hmm. and I am a Florida State alum. Uh, I do think that Florida State's going to be good, but I think they need to prove something. And I still think at the end of the day, Clemson has a really good defense and a quarterback who's extremely capable. We just haven't seen his best yet with an offensive coordinator who I think is probably the biggest hire of the offseason in Garrett Riley. So I don't know if that's a hot take, but I still think Clemson's going to carry the flag. Um, I think Louisville's going to be better than they expect. And they have the easiest schedule in the country. I thought their schedule was easy. No, I think Louisville actually has a chance to do something kind of crazy and potentially even make it to an ACC championship game based on schedule. For people who don't know, they don't have Clemson, they don't have Florida State, they don't have UNC, they have Kentucky, their biggest rival at home, um, which helps. And you have a whole new scheme system, a quarterback and Jack Plummer who can throw it around the yard, married back with a coach that he knows very well. So, um, and, and the big thing I think with Jeff Brom is he kept the recruiting class. Like people didn't just bail when Satterfield was gone. Like they, they want to come there. So they like what they see um, in Louisville. And another hot take. Ooh, look, I'm a big Riley Leonard fan at Duke. Talk I about think it. Riley, Riley Leonard's going to make a lot of money for himself this year. I said um, it on the last podcast. I think I really would not be surprised if he's the first, first team all ACC quarterback this year yeah, with all the returning I, weapons he has. Oh, the weapons are, I think they have 81% of their production returning on offense, something somewhere around that number. Um, that's insane. And he was really good last year. And I know they got lucky. They, the ball bounced their way quite a few times. And um, but I think you have to put yourself in position to receive that luck. Kind of like what we talked about in the beginning with my job. You have to put yourself in position. So don't be surprised if Riley Leonard is in some really big conversations. We talk about him here in the ACC, but bigger conversations nationally. A lot going on down there in Tobacco Road on the gridiron. Talk about a, uh, a plot twist. So we got Riley Leonard. We got Louisville. We got uh, Clemson, Taylor. But um, want to hear a little bit more. You know, I know other than those storylines, conference realignment, a lot mm-hmm. of good quarterbacks in this league. What would you say is a storyline that might be flying under the radar this fall that you're looking to dig into a little bit more? So Wake Forest always flies under the radar. I'm going to come back to to Tobacco Road area over here. Wake Forest always flies under the radar, even though Dave Clawson does an incredible job with what he has there. They have insane facilities. They just opened up their new um, McCreary football facility. So it's it's beautiful. It's outstanding, the complex. Um, I know a lot of people are going to talk about Sam Hartman's gone. So now what? He's been there forever. But we got a chance to talk to Mitch Griffiths this week has a great head on his shoulders. He's been there for four years learning under Sam Hartman, learning this system. This is a slow mesh concept that, uh, you know, if you perfect it, 
it's going to be really good. They have arguably, I would say, the best receiving core returning in the ACC. Uh, defensively, it's year two under Brad Lambert. So I would say they're going to take a little bit of a step to be better. Defensively, they have to be better. I think they have some pieces. So I think, you know, people may not look at Mitch Griffiths. They first year starter. Oh my gosh, what are they going to look like? Sam Hartman is now off to Notre Dame. He's going to put up numbers. And there's going to be times, I think, when people underestimate them because they always do, but even more so because Hartman's not under center. Uh, that they can win some some of these big games and throw people for a loop. Hokies host the Demon Deacons Saturday, October 14th. That's a homecoming game. Should be a ton of fun. Um, okay, Taylor, we got two more, or I guess a couple more questions here before we jump into rapid fire. Um, but <laughs> we'd be remiss if we didn't ask because – you know, it's still the off season, and yeah. you know what happens in the off season? We got big game boomer all over Twitter. We got graphics all over Twitter. We got all these accounts, you know, power ranking whatever that that doesn't have to do with anything on the field. And one of those things is the entrance. What is the Taylor Tannenbaum objective opinion if we are power ranking Chief Osceola planting the spear, Howard's Rock, and Enter Sandman? Ooh. Um, it's tough to say, but I will say. My first road trip last year was to Virginia Tech for Enter Sandman. And I walked out saying, look, I love Florida State, but I walked out saying, I get it. Like, I get it. So in my opinion, when Virginia Tech's rocking, that's it. Like that, that, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on your podcast. I really do genuinely think that's it. I have not been to a night game at Clemson yet with Howard's Rock and all that, but watching it, on TV, it's electric. I'll go Florida State second just because I have been there. I have seen it. Um, it is loud. But Clemson's right up there. But, man, Virginia Tech's almost made me, like, emotional last year. I'm not going to lie. So, um, And I'll be there. for. We'll be there, the whole huddle crew. Uh, it'll be a primetime game. ACCPM will be there as well week one against ODU. So we're going to see it live and in person. But uh, those de- those three are definitely the top three in the ACC. But I'll give Enter Sam and the nod. I would just make sure when you do go to Clemson, just distance yourself from our friend Eric McLean a little bit because he's going to try to infect you with the Howard's Rock is the best in college football. It's great. It's great. But at the end of the day, you get on a bus, you get off the bus, and you rub a rock. I mean, come on. What are we, what are we Also, what are we it, gives me, it gives me such anxiety because I'm, I'm waiting for someone <laughs> to bust their butt coming down the hill. The other thing is I was there for the spring game, but it was daytime and very different, so I will not judge it based on that. Nobody told me there was a cannon. <laughs> I freaked out. I was so I freaked out. There's mm-hmm. a cannon involved. So um docked points for nobody telling me uh to be ready for a cannon because then I look like an idiot. We love we love Skipper. I think I think you know on the note of Clemson's entrance, um Dabo sprinting to midfield is just so funny. I just it's enjoy amazing. just watching the highlights of him sprinting out there with his hat and his sneakers on. It kills me every time. Billy and I went down to Clemson uh, on Memorial Day weekend and, and got to check it out. But um, all right, before we move on to a little bit of Florida State, uh, there's 14 teams in the ACC. We learned today Virginia Tech was predicted to finish 11th in the ACC. You know, obviously the Coastal is no more, so that's technically speaking the lowest we've ever been predicted to finish in the conference because there's no divisions. But where did you have Virginia Tech finishing up this year? I had I just had it pulled up. Let me pull it up. Stand by. I'll take two seconds. I had them. Ooh. I'm sorry, Virginia Tech Ooh. fans. Oh, no. I do have I do have 13. 13? Yeah, I do. I do. And ahead of Virginia. Wow. Wow. We can, right, we're gonna, we're gonna cut this, we're gonna cut this short. <laughs> And I know that that would require BC, Syracuse, Georgia Tech are just above. And I honestly think right now heading into the season, those are all really interchangeable because every single one has something to prove coming off of last year, like genuinely has something to prove. Um, I thought Georgia Tech showed me a little something at the end of last year, and I really like the energy around Brent Key. They do have quarterback questions, though. Um, Hughes does have a proven quarterback. I went with that. And um, BC, I don't know. I don't know. that That's a flip-flop for me. I, I feel like they could be better than people expect. It's not that I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be better than last year. I genuinely wholeheartedly think that they will. I just think that bunch right there is very interchangeable. I'm so sorry. 
It's okay. Hey, you showed your work. You didn't just put the math down. I used to get in trouble yeah. in second grade because I never showed my work on fractions. But Christian <laughs> Mahogany from Paramus Catholic holding it down for Boston College. So um, we'll see how it all shakes out. I do have to ask, I'll be making the trip to Tallahassee for the first time this fall. Um, I just want to ask, is there any must-sees, must-dos, must-eats, must-drinks? Um, just kind of give me the uh, give me the elevator pitch on what I need to do uh, in a couple of days at Florida State. Okay, so with that being said, it's changed so much since I've been there. But College Town is where it's hopping, where it's at now, Madison Social. You have to go check it out. It's right by the stadium. Really cool bunch of spots you can bop around to. My go-to when I'm in Tallahassee, like game day atmosphere, is a place called Gordo's. It's a Cuban restaurant. It's sort of by the stadium, but they have big drinks, great Cuban food. Vibes are immaculate. Um, you'll definitely want to go probably walk around and go see the fountain. Go see the statue with Chief Osceola on the green. Uh, so those are those are the few things I would say you have to do. Um, and I'll, I'll conjure up some more, but it's changed a lot. Midtown is where it's at now in Tallahassee. Midtown was not where it was at when I was there. So <laughs> listen, and really my go-to spot for the fun, you need to go. Pot bellies and the pain bellies. This isn't the pot bellies that's the uh that's the chain. This has got to be some this no. has got to be a local feel. Okay. This All is right. the local, it's like catty corner to my sorority house. Um, it's where I spend every Thursday night. Then I was right back there Friday afternoon for happy hour. Then Saturday night, I would be there too at the Painted Lady. Um, that is your go-to bar spot that you must attend. No Let temptation. I will. I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to it. I'm. I'm hoping that it cools down here in the uh, in the sunshine state, though, before we get there. Um, we're moving on to rapid fire. We're done with the hard questions. Maybe these will be hard, but they're not They're not related uh, as much to the ACC. So the first one that we love to ask everybody, if you could have dinner with four people, dead or alive, where are you going to eat and who's coming? Oh, my gosh. This is really hard. Four people? Four. Okay. I'm going – I'll bring my grandma because I miss her. She's coming. Grandma Rose is coming. Huge sports fan. She's also a big reason why I love sports. Like growing up, we had a game called Hit the Stick. She created it was like me and my brother competing against each other, throwing a ball at a stick. So like I think that created the competitive juices. So Grandma Rose is coming. Eric Church is coming. I love Eric Church. I panicked when I saw him at the Jumpman Invitational here in Charlotte when we had a hoops here because I was like too scared to see him. So I'm inviting Eric Church. Um, interesting people. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. I'm a big Hillary Duff fan, so Hillary Duff is coming too, which seems so random. But I'm obsessed with her. I've loved her since I was a little girl, so I think I would that would be a massive moment for me. Um, and another person that I really like to come. Oh, let's see, who's my favorite athlete? Dwayne Wade of all time. Dean Wade. You probably saw a lot of Dean Wade in Florida. Yep. I'm a South Florida girl, so Dwayne Wade is coming. This is a really random smorgasbord of people, but. Right. This is the group that's coming, and if I'm going to eat dinner, I want a big steak. And the best steakhouse that I've still gone to to this day, it's, it's here in Charlotte. We have one, a Steak 48. We're going to Steak 48 because I want all the sides and steak. We did go to Jeff Ruby's this weekend in Cincinnati, courtesy of Jordan Cornette having it held open for us late night. But I always want a steak, so we're going to Steak 48. I got to tell you, Taylor, we got to connect with Steak 48 because this is two weeks in a row now that a guest has made a Steak 48 reference of where they are bringing their four people. Our wide receivers coach, Fontel Mines, is bringing his four to Steak 48. So okay. I don't know if we're going the same night. A lot, a lot of famous people are going to be there that night. He's got like J. Cole and Jay-Z coming. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe I'd add Drake to my table. Okay. Table, table for six. Table for six. We Perfect. can do that. We can make an Perfect. exception. Um, Spotify, Apple Music. What do you listen to? What kind of music Ooh. do you? You know what's really funny is I'm trying so hard to understand Spotify, and I like trying. I've been an Apple Music girl, and it's kind of been letting me down lately. I'm a mix of everything, but I'm a big hip hop girl, um, and just kind of hip hop R&B is my vibe. I would say, but I do love country, so I'll listen to Eric Church ad nauseum. Morgan Wallen's obviously been on repeat. Luke Combs, I love a ton. Uh, so I'm a big, like, find a playlist and hit shuffle. I don't like to choose myself, uh, but if I'm listening, I love Bryson Tiller, love Rod Wave, 
I do love J. Cole. I love Drake. Um, Future. Those That's what, stick with stick with Spotify. If you like coming across random music, uh, stick with Spotify. You need to do like one of those YouTube demos. Um, definitely, definitely stick with it. I'm all over the place with music though, mm-hmm. but those two genres and, and that group of artists is probably where I stay the most. Uh, funnier movie: Bridesmaids or Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Bridesmaids, because I've seen it a thousand times, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I haven't. Isn't that bad? Oh no! I, no. One thing, one thing about me is I'm the worst movie watcher. I haven't seen anything. Like I am trash. But Bridesmaids is one, and every time I get on a plane, which is so often for work, I just laugh and turn away every time. So many good scenes. So many good scenes. What is the? This is a good one. Um, this is a Mike Santa Maria special. What is the best yes and the best no of your career so far? Oh. The best yes was taking my first job. Here's why. Is this the direction? Am I heading in the right direction? Is this what you meant? This is your, this is your answer. I, I have no onus on The best on your- yes of my career was I was, I'll tell you, I was in college getting ready to graduate from Florida State. All my friends are excited for summer. They don't have jobs lined up yet. And I'm like, woo, me too. And I went for one like fake job interview at, at my future station in Dothan, Alabama, um, because a mutual mentor kind of set me up. He was like, just go meet them. You'll do a mock interview. see what a newsroom is like. I'm like, cool. They called me and they were like, hey, you want to be our sports anchor? And I cried. I cried. I was like, call my parents. I was like, I'm not moving to Alabama. It's small. It's scary. What is this place? Um, And I wanted to like job hunt, right? I wanted to like see what was out there. And I said, and people, I had a couple of mentors, Donovan Campbell, who works in Miami, who was like, hey, you need to take this job. And I took it and the rest is history. It was really the best thing I've ever done because I was this close to saying, no, let me see what else is out there. The best no, uh, the best no of my career. Gosh, do I have one? Probably saying no to something in order to go to one of the hundred weddings that I was in last year. Especially in the fall. No fall weddings. That's the rule. No fall weddings. Um, um, last year, I said, I said no in March to doing something at work, and I went to a wedding in Mexico, and it ended up being that um, the Colts signed Matt Ryan. I want to say it was, and I wasn't there for it, and it was probably the best no of, of saying I had to be at work in my career because I didn't have to deal with the chaos. <laughs> That's good. Usually they do uh, the ESPN special is anytime anything happens in the NBA, Stephen A. Smith is zooming in um, from wherever the hell he is. And it seems like his own vacation when something like that goes down. Uh, Speaking of movies, and these are your words, not mine. You said you're a bad movie watcher. Um, Market research. You said Will Ferrell is not funny. I did. Explain yourself, please. I I just think... I just think he's a little overrated. Like, I, I don't not laugh when I watch him. I don't not laugh. But I will say it doesn't get me going like it does for everybody else. Like, you know, I, I think Elf was like, ha. Huh? <laughs> like, I don't roll on the floor laughing when it comes to Elf, but I appreciate it. I think the old, maybe like back in the day, like SNL Will Ferrell's probably a little funnier, but some of it I think is too cheesy for me to laugh. Ooh, two slapstick on the Will Ferrell. Who, who is who? Who is the belly laugh then? Who? Who? If who's your favorite comedian, comedic actor? See, I think Kevin Hart's really funny. Not that he's an a major actor, but like I, I belly laugh at Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. First Will, time stumbling across Kevin Hart in high school was uh was was a special moment. It was a lot of uh that that was some funny stuff. He's just so, so he is unique. Yeah, but Will yeah, Ferrell. So. Will Ferrell is indeed funny. Yeah, we're gonna have to. It's a little overrated. It's a hot take. I know it's very it's okay. spicy. Spot, spot four hot takes from Taylor Tannenbaum today. Um, who is the best or most entertaining coaches or players to interview? Ooh, um, Christian Mahogany. When we interviewed, I wasn't on that set, but he was hilarious the other day. He was very entertaining. Um, the craziest. For, for ACC fans, Eric Ebron was probably one of the crazier interviews I've ever had, just because he's always all over the place, former tight end at UNC. Uh, he was nuts. Uh, you always have a good t- 
you know, Mac Brown's a heck of a storyteller. Um, the most entertaining, though, you never know what they're going to say. Current. Oh, God, this is hard. Those three, those three were probably pretty good for me. There's some, there's some race car drivers who are, who are, who will say some things that you're like, I can't believe he just said that uh, <laughs> in IndyCar. And I'm not sure that anyone's really going to know, but like an Elio Castroneves is probably one of the more off the wall interviewees I've ever done. Cause you never know where he's going to go. Well, that's the thing with NASCAR. Like they have such a dedicated fan base and nobody, if they're doing nothing is going to be like, you know what? Let me watch 300 laps. Of I this know. No, no, they're not. They can kind of do whatever you can kind of do whatever you want. I don't know if you I've never, throw- I've never had anyone that was like so outrageous. I couldn't believe it. And I'm kind of disappointed in that. Well, I know I don't know if you want to throw anybody under the bus. And maybe it's not throwing under the bus. Maybe it's just somebody who keeps it close to their chest. Is there anybody that you have to fight, you have to fight for answers for, or just isn't into the whole media thing? Most NBA players. Okay. Okay. Um, the one of the strange the funniest things that I've ever done was um when I worked in Indy. It was just like the most random answer. TJ Warren, they just signed TJ Warren, who was a star at NC State. And I asked him, like, tell me three things about you that nobody knows. And he's like, uh, well, I love basketball. I love skateboarding. And I love the rain. And I was like, that's the most I'm ever, I love the rain. And I was like, what? And that was like the most, that was the most words we've ever spoken. Doesn't really do interviews. He was probably the hardest interview I've ever had to do. But at least I got those three things out of him skateboarding and he loves the rain yeah sure you think about him every single time it rains um (laughs) so we got uh two more rapid fire questions and they're actually both about charlotte um the first one we're gonna make our way over to charlotte douglas international because we've been seeing this guy named mark packer just crush american airlines he hates them and so we've been seeing that but we also have seen a take from taylor about being pro reclining of the seat. Tell us your reclining etiquette 101. So I will, as the caveat, I will look at who's sitting behind me. Like if it's someone really tall, I'm not going to screw them over. But there is a button on your seat to recline for a reason because you're supposed to be able to do it. Now, if we all just got on board with each other and everyone reclined at the same time, then no one's going to complain. You know what I mean? Everyone's going to have... So I look behind me. I see if they're really tall, I won't do it. But if they're not and I'm really tired, my seat's going back, y'all. It's just how it works. Yeah. So uh, at least I know now if you're if you're sitting in front, there will be no reclining. I, I'm big on the I'm big on the I'm going to recline, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to turn. I, I, I do this. I turn around. I'm like, do you mind if I recline a little bit? And 90 uh, percent of the time it's yes. Actually, 100 percent of the time it's yes. I've never gotten a no. And then after that, it's, you know what? Thank you so much for asking. I'm like, you're welcome. So I think asking is a good is a good technique, but checking out, you definitely have to know your clientele. You have to look behind and you have to be like, you know what? Is this is this economically fair? So right. okay. That makes sense. That makes I'm sense. a cur- I'm a courteous recliner, but like I'm going to probably recline my chair. <laughs> I think I'm a little too shameless with that. And I just I just go. Don't even look. <laughs> Glad we're all on the same page, though. At least you guys aren't just complete haters. Yeah, I don't even check the blind spot. Um, all right, and then last one here, Taylor. Biggest flex and biggest critique of the Queen City. Ooh. I'll start critique. My biggest critique is that, and I was just telling someone this the other day, nobody's from here, right? It's a transplant city. So my biggest critique of Charlotte is like, Like I lived in Indianapolis and I lived in Alabama and people are so prideful of where they come from. You don't get that here in Charlotte. You don't get that. Like it is in the South, but it's not necessarily like the South where you really feel like, you know, the home cooking. I don't get that. But the biggest flex can be that too. There's a great food scene here there because there's so many different people. There's lots of great food. The weather is pretty good because you don't really get the snow. You get enough cold to be happy about it, but it's mostly warm and it doesn't get like, it's it can get hot but not like so brutal where it's like south florida where i'm from even the midwest gets like really miserable in like august and september um so i would say the biggest flex is, and and critique is really the same thing um but it's it's small enough 
it's a small, big city, right? So you get good vibes from it, but also like I kind of, it, it needs a little bit of flavor. All right. Well, good thing Billy Ray is moving here. He'll bring some flavor because, <laughs> you know, I was going to say earmuffs, earmuffs at the beginning, because I know Billy likes that, you know, tradi- he likes likes tradition. He likes that, uh, you that, know, that field too. So, right. Any right. Comments? I like the authentic. I like some authenticity, some history. Um, but uh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. And another hours- critique. Their critique too is like their professional sports teams stink. They got to do better. That's true. They're horrible. Awful. They Trash. They are. And your airport sucks. I'll just say that too. That the, the, the airport is is beyond brutal, and that extends. You past attack and commiserate. Lives. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into letters. We got a few letters from the lunch pail here. uh, This is Twitter, or I guess X is the new name of it, um, submitted questions from our followers. Riley Wyant says, favorite questions to ask players and coaches? Oh, favorite questions. And this I kind of alluded to earlier is their personal life questions. Like, I want to know about you as the person. I really don't care. So, and, and I'm so nosy and I'll admit like, Hey, I was stalking your Twitter. I was stalking your Instagram. So I just like to know about their favorite like hobbies, what they like to do outside of work, because you'll find some really insane stuff. Like people like woodworking and welding. Um, we found out like one of the kids, Paris Jones running back at Virginia, like is a really good chef and he like plates his food. Like you find out some really cool stuff. Jeff Brom, we found out like went to the Beyonce concert with his daughter. So I'm big on um on the personal questions. I'm a little bit nosy. <laughs> Logan oh. Ross says, "What would be some advice for a young female attending her first presser?" Ooh, don't be afraid to ask questions. But first, I would say listen, listen a little bit to what people are asking and uh, feel the room a little bit. But be confident when you do ask your question. You know, uh, you're probably asking something that other people want to know too. But just have confidence when you're asking it. But I would say read the room first. It's okay not to have to go first. Uh, read the room and uh, don't be afraid though. And when, when if you have something on your mind, ask it because somebody else probably does too. And the last one came from a. Uh, we actually met this lady at um, at ACC Media Day. She's a senior from Winthrop, and on ACC Media Day day two, she was like, "I'm thinking about asking a question tomorrow," and I said. You're asking a question tomorrow. Ask it. And she did. And she did. And uh, her name's Emma Ann Lay. She says, what is your personal definition of success? And how would you define yourself as successful? Okay. So my personal definition is, is what makes you happiest, right? Like it has to be what makes you excited to do your work every day. That's my definition of success, right? It's, do I take pride in my work? Do I make other people happy when I do my work. That That's what defines success for me. Um, what was the second half of it? How would you define yourself as successful? I define myself as successful as being a good teammate. Uh, I want the people around me to feel like they can work with me, um, that they're better for working with me. Uh, that's how that's how I would define that, is um, obviously making sure you're the best teammate possible. Um, and uh, you're putting your content first, right? It's not about me. It's about uh, making sure the viewers and the people who are ingesting the content are enjoying it. That's what would make me the happiest and successful. And just a one caveat, those three questions all came from three people either in or aspiring to be in sports media and sports journalism. I love it. So Keep doing you. what you're doing. It's not easy but it is absolutely worth it and you can get to where you want to go. That's that's like, I'm not just saying that. Uh, there's room for everyone. I want people to remember that. There's room for everybody. Awesome. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy and I know we're in August now. We're ready for football season. We will be hitting you up again to come on the show. We'd love to have you back and talk uh, talk ACC. But thank you so much and we're looking forward to all the content to come here in the coming weeks and the coming months. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Reach out to UNC.